Hey folks, welcome to the Sloppy Boys Blowout. It's a fun one. I'm here with Tim Kalpakis. What is up? All right, and Jeff Dutton. Hey. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll work on that. <laughs> okay, we got Tim's usual and Jeff's low energy. Here we go. <laughs> this show is fuck. I thought it was cash. No, guys, it's cash. Oh, right. Hey, we're cash on you, the You blowout. gotta be laid back. Yeah, I'm laid Johnny Cash. That could be a character. <laughs> Johnny Cash, that's funny. Yeah, I'll do that on Comedy Bang Bang and it'll be a hit for all. <laughs> I'm wearing my I'm wearing my slippers and just a long t-shirt. I'm Johnny Cash. <laughs> uh, guys, we got this is a fun one today. We are oh. we are into it. Yeah, baby. I think I feel like we should get into it because this is gonna be a dense episode. Yeah. Let's get right into it. Today we got an episode where we are talking with Tim. This is a sort of a Tim-led one. He wanted to uh, talk about an album that he likes from a rock and roll combo. It's uh, the Bruce Springsteen Band. (laughs) And we're going to be talking about the album Wild, Innocent, and the E Street Shuffle. That's right. We're going to talk about it. I kind of think... It's, it'll be like the wild, to- the innocent, and the East Street Shovel. I'm so sorry, oh, Tim. Take it away. I was thinking that this episode will almost be similar to like a TED Talk, the way that you talk about. A, yeah. A, but but I'm going to be doing the, the talking, and I couldn't really think of a, a clever name of like TED Talk, but that had my name in it. Uh, hmm. Well, we can come back to it. We'll circle back. Was well, your is your middle name Edward by chance? Ed Talk, we could do. <laughs> That would be good, but it's Jordan. We'll just say Jordan Jam. Uh, <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, welcome to the Jordan Jam. Uh, so, Tim, we got Tim, who's a big Bruce Springsteen fan. You're wearing the T-shirt right now. M- Mike, I've heard him say that he's his favorite artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, does, Tim, does that hold true? I've gone farther to say that, yeah, he's not my favorite music artist. He's my favorite artist, period. And that I've said that the if I'm allowed to group them together and say... Bruce Springsteen's discography as one whole work yes. is my favorite work of fiction. Wow. And and it is fiction because he's he didn't he didn't experience all these characters and things that he's talking about. Did he? Oh, but but Mike, the way that he talks about the boardwalk and the switchblades <laughs> and the jeans <laughs> under the oh, boardwalk. Shit. Now, Jeff, you're joking, but I actually really like what you're doing right now. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I can tell you you got turned on. I saw Tim light up on that side of the oh, screen. Oh, I kinda wanna dance. Tim, what what uh what does it for you with the Springsteen? And, I, and look, I'm a Springsteen fan. I've been to a couple shows with you, and they're fantastic. He's got energy. He's a rock and roll star from yeah. way back from the 70s, and he just keeps – he doesn't stop, does he? <laughs> no, he keeps going. I'm liking this, I'm, I'm liking this uh, rock jock sort of uh, – <laughs> yeah. not rock jock, disc jockey type of uh, character. You kind of slip into autopilot and just sort of give it a lot of shtick, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I think there's a lot, there, there's there's almost too much to say about the guy, and that's why I wanted to pick a specific album, but I do but think- what makes you, what what do you like about him, you personally like about him? I guess if it, what I would say is this, he's a writer, right? And he's a writery writer. He's, he's a very literate typist, <laughs> but- His words per minute are incredible. He's mm. an idea man, and he's got concepts, he's got premises, but he is equally, equally- 
a performer. Mm, and yeah. wh whether we're talking about music or quite frankly, comedy, the genre that we work in, you know, mm. those smart people who have concepts and the, the, it's really clever, but then their execution is DOA, dead on arrival. And then we all know those sparkly, charismatic performers, but they don't have anything to say to the world. Mm -hmm. And I think that Bruce represents what you, what every artist would want to be, which is he's like the visionary, but he's also the craftsman, but he's also the guy dancing on top of the piano and he's funny and he's having fun. He says some lines in a jokey way. He's inspiring to watch. You don't get a lot of literate writers that are, that are fun to watch. He's he's like a bit his his shows feel like a big party, which is fun. Yes, even though and he's we, singing about songs of people in factory towns being down and out, he's still uh, he's still sort of selling it. And he's you're right, he is funny in a very nerdy way, especially in like the seventies. He was like yes. a funny like he would say things on stage and just kind of be like <laughs> like kind of like oh shucks, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing up here. <laughs> well, I I'm curious what you guys like. Um, like I, I know you, you know him, you like him, but like, like for me, there's, there's an autobiographical thing of like, a, I was predisposed to like him because I went to the Jersey Shore uh, uh, a lot as a kid. So when I hear a song about a boardwalk, I'm not like, why is this a boardwalk song? There, I'm like, hell yeah, board, boardwalk mm. song. But I also, <laughs> I remember the moment. This album was my way in. I feel like a lot of indie music really? fans. Uh, yeah. A lot of people, it'll be Nebraska, like the the, the sad acoustic one or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then most of the, the world is, you know, born to born run, to born run. in the USA, that yes. type of shit. But for me, I grew up maybe like zero to 14. I thought he was uncool because I had seen the born in the USA era and he had the, he had, he was waving a flag and he had big biceps and denim. And I kind of thought of him as almost like a Garth Brooks or like a. Mm. Sure. Americana, just like too sincere, maybe. Yes. Just really straightforward and and also just like older, you know, because that version of Bruce is 34. So when I was yeah. a kid, I was like, I don't listen to 34 year olds. I listen to fucking uh, new kids on the block. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered how much of it was like your dad. Yeah, like, like, or like, yeah, how much of Springsteen like, is your dad? He's not your dad, right? <laughs> he's not. He's not your dad, right? He's he's not the father. Zero percent. He's not your father. <laughs> they, as far as I know, they're two different guys. But <laughs> we should uh, do the, we should do the DNA test on here though and see if he is the daddy. Like I got uh I got into Bruce through my dad as a teenager, and it was through like greatest hits and and through the Born to Run album, which is uh, right. We'll get into more of this. We'll get into we, that as we peel back the layers. But that's how I got to this album. Is uh, my dad? Um, it recommended a lot of great music to me. I, I've, we've talked before on this show about how I was kind of like an oldies kid, which is really embarrassing now. But we grew up in the in a radio era where you had modern rock, you had pop radio, modern rock, classic rock, oldies. So I, I eventually got really into the, like the classic rock genre. But as a young kid, I was I was like putting on oldies 97 7 and like, like rocking out to richie valens like <laughs> land of a thousand dances and like yes <laughs> so my dad one time for my birthday gave me a best of the animals cd and they do like um house of the rising sun house of the rising sun yeah. yes yeah. but they also have a lot of r&b that has like kind of party organ on it and that's where i got into probably like modern lovers came from me like in that 
So I told my dad, I was like, you nailed it with the animals. And then the next year <laughs> he was like, Tim, I got a band for you. Steely Dan. Uh. And, and at 13 years old, I got the greatest hits and I listened to it with my dad. And I was like, dad, I don't get this shit. Is the animals 96 tears? Uh, no, that's question mark in the Mysterians, Jeff. Very okay. similar though. I forget I said anything. Um, Steely Dan is one that I, I, I'm still, I like them. I appreciate them now, but they, they still, you know, it's like Muzak and it's kind of hipstery. And, um, I think you need to like understand the layer of irony with them. Yes. And, and understand and, like what they're kind of riffing on. If they are even riffing on, I, I always thought they were sort of like a joking about doing cocaine and going to Hollywood parties, uh, yeah. in a way, like a, a sort of disengaged type, like I'm over it, jaded dude. And there's even a winkiness to like. The, the, the idea that it's like, we got like the crispest session players to execute this mm. in such a cold fashion. Yeah. Um, so I hated that. And I was like, dad, you blew it. But then um, <laughs> he told me, he told me about this. Out. I actually remember like going on a, I was going to, um, I had to do back to school shopping for Catholic school. I had to buy like ties and collars. And then nice. as a treat, we, I've been there. We went to like Sam Goody or something and I was uh, going to buy a CD. Maybe I'm 13. And my dad was like, you know, you should get a Springsteen CD. And I was like, that buffoon. And he was like, no, young Springsteen is cool. And we got <laughs> like your old man. This is maybe at the Crossgates Mall in Albany. I bought the CD and then on the ride home, we listened to it. And it was, I was like, oh, like, uh, really? Oh, Music fuck. can be like this. It was, it was like, this happened to me when I heard Pinkerton. This has maybe when I watched the first season of Joe Para, but like when you have a game change thing, we're like, oh man, I'm creaming my little shorts because yeah. I love this. You, you find a new thing and it has the depth that you're like, oh, I need, to, I need more of this. Right. Like, uh, it, like I've even had some things like that where I don't even love them initially. They just scratch your brain in such a peculiar way that you keep coming back. I had that with Mr. Show. Sure. Mm -hmm. Oh, Mr. Show is probably yeah, my Show biggest because I, changed my college major for it and I moved to LA for it. <laughs> so this was the first album that you, this is the album that you bought? This, this one. Um, and I even, I'll point to you the exact moments, but this was the one that made me love it. And then I was still such a little shit that I was like, I only like that album. And then for 10 years, like I was like, <laughs> I only like that album. And then eventually I fell in love with Born Who to Run. Who's challenging you on this? <laughs> Just only me and my rankings of rock stars. <laughs> Tim, that that's really impressive because I feel like this is a very linguistic album. And I didn't know that you listened. I, at that age, and even now, I'm like a lyrics last dude in writing mm -hmm. and in and in my own consumption. Yep. This is maybe like one of the wordiest albums I've ever heard. Yes. And like, I, but I took the but I took the most enjoyment from it when I looked up the genius, and I felt like oh, oh yeah. I've, I've, I then I started mm. to feel like included. But for a while there, I was just like, oh, he's just doing like Van Morrison. This must be like young, young Springsteen just doing Dylan Van Morrison type stuff. It, it is. He's he's 23. This is his second album. He had a three, you know, he got signed to a three album deal and album three was born to run and that was the breakthrough. So this is sort of like him still trying to break through. But the first album is the wordiest album on earth. And it's, mm. it's that thing where he kind of went with the trends. It's like, He's one of these classic baby boomers that want, when he was like 10, he wanted to be Elvis. And then he was in like a Beatles band and then he was in a power trio. <laughs> and then he was in like a Grateful Dead jam band. And then in the early seventies, <laughs> seventies, he got signed as like a 
singer songwriter acoustic guy with wordy wordy heady like, like songs taken down catholicism and songs about class struggle Weird. and that's what that first album it's it's called greetings from asbury park so it is like set in new jersey but it's like it, it's less fun and it's more of like he's a he's a bob dylan troubadour and then that's what's cool about this album to me is like he found this voice where he's like i'm still gonna be wordy but i'm gonna tell stories that are more focused and it's almost like the songs themselves don't sound cool. It's more like he cast a band. He's like, I want to be a Jersey Shore band leader. And this band is going to play R&B and all this stuff. And it's just going to go with the stories. But it's like, if you were alive in 1973, like David Bowie is making much cooler sounding music. And other people are, you know, Sly and the Family Stone are making more like legitimate f fun party music. This is almost almost like a movie with some like scoring to the main mm. character and Bruce kind of casts himself as the main guy. It's funny to listen to this album because I've, I've heard this album before and then I'm more familiar with his other stuff. But like you can see him like getting what's like Born to Run comes out of this one. It's like, oh, he kind of has the idea of these story songs, but they're not all very hooky. Right. Right. Yeah, they don't really have choruses. He's not given any radio choruses here, and they're, yeah. they're all too long. He eventually pared down the wordiness so much. But I think also a big part of it when I was 13 was maybe just like seeing him be like skinny and young. I needed at 13 <laughs> like to not see him be like – like the dancing in the dark Springsteen was like I, – I don't know. I just thought he he looked like a – an uncool guy, whereas like even the cover of this album, I he's like uh, – He's kind of like a pirate, you know, he, he's like, I got a weird <laughs> yeah. carny vibe to him. And well, like, What's on that, let's shove off to the first song. Let's shove right off. And um, track one is called the E Street Shuffle. Love it. Yeah, that's a cool start. I love the way that this feels like it's an orchestra warming up. Yes. And he's kind of saying, he's like, I'm a band leader. This is yeah. my band, yeah. and they're behind me. I like that. And this is him. He's the only guitar player on the album, so all the guitar you hear is on. Oh. I like that drum, too, when it, the drums come in. That like, how, do you, how would you describe that snare drum? It's, it's mic'd really weird. It's kind of very muted in the 70s yeah. way. Like he's, it's a jazz drummer, this guy Vinny Lopez, Mad Dog. Oh, Mad Dog. Um, and, you know, he's setting the scene. He's he's naming off a lot of characters. Yeah. He's, um, he's kind of just getting us going with, like, it's a song about everybody's getting ready to go out tonight. Everybody's hitting the circuit tonight. So it's kind of the natural starting point for the album. It's a nice, I like that funky, what is that, uh, electric piano or something? Or a... Yeah, it's cool. If this song didn't have that, like, kind of funky piano in there, or synthesizer, whatever it is, it wouldn't be the same song, and I don't think I would really like it as much. I mean, it wouldn't feel like a kickoff. Right. Yeah, and it, it was just keeping it light, you know, it's kind of got these dumb, the low saxophone honks. Clarence is, like, honking lower than you've ever heard. It's kind of intentionally kind of stupid, but it's really fun. Yeah. And um, he's doing a kind of an interesting lyrical thing here where, you know, he's, he's listing off a lot of names. He's telling, he's telling a story. Like, if you listen close, the main character is this girl, Little Angel, and her boyfriend, Power 13, and they're, they're getting ready to go out. 
But I think what's great about Springsteen is it's more like impressionistic. So yeah. you, you don't have to follow the story, but when you get little flashes of like pull, zips mm-hmm. up his jeans or whatever, it's just like a montage. And like here we are getting into a weird bridge, and I and I don't know if we've heard so much of a chorus yet. No. But it's like it's cool musical things. It's just. This is so Van Morrison-y to me, and I don't even know Van Morrison. I'm not coming from a place of being a Van Morrison scholar. Well, I'll tell you, you nailed it, because Bruce was like a huge Van Morrison fan. And there's stuff later on this album that is like direct Van Morrison. And he absolutely heard Van Morrison and just like made this album. Um, There's a kind of a cool lyrical device there where he's saying, he keeps saying they're doing the E Street Shuffle. And then eventually it is like everybody form a line. Yeah. So it's, it's like referencing this dance, but it's a fictional dance. It's not a dance that exists. But as he keeps going, you kind of like, oh, I know what he's doing. It's like the E Street Shuffle isn't this dance with the dance moves. It's like the people in Asbury Park getting ready to go out everybody at all their places, uh, like assuming their positions in the town yeah. for a fun Friday night. The oh. hustle and bustle of the city. That's the exactly. E Street Shuffle. Is this the E Street band here yet? Because you said that it's not Max Weinberg is the drummer, right? You said somebody uh, else. Um, Clarence is there and uh, Roy Talent is there. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, there's, there's no Max uh, yet. And there's also the piano player here. Instead of Roy Bitten, this is uh, David Sanctious, who's like a jazz piano player. And that's what really makes it like boardwalky. And, and also Van Morrison, he is like some uh, weird jazz piano going on. Now, who am I thinking of? Leaf Garrett? Pop star from the 80s or something? No, no. Who's the, isn't there like a guy named Leaf? Eh, whatever. Yeah, Leif, Leif Garrett. Leif Garrett. But is, is he not an Easter guy? Anyway. Oh, no. Nils Lofgren? Nils Lofgren. What about Nils Lofgren? (laughs) Nils Lofgren uh, replaced Little Stevie Ah. in the 80s when Little Stevie went solo. Little Stevie's not in this band just yet, but he's friends with everybody. And they called him Miami Steve back then. Um, (laughs) But Bruce is the only guitar player. But I wanted to point out that thing of... um, Hey, everybody's getting, everybody's doing what they do every night here. And they're all doing the E Street Shuffle and that dance being a double meaning. Uh, he did a real cool thing where he, this chord progression is based on a song uh, from 1963 called Monkey Time by Major Lance, which was one of those like dance songs with a specific dance to it. Like so the Charleston he, or the Twist or something. Exactly. So he did a cool thing where he almost is like sampling it here so that anyone that knows that song is like, oh, you're doing one of those types of songs. Oh, smarter than we thought. And I brought a little clip. Let's take a listen. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a place right across town, wherever you Are you guys huge uh, Major Lance fans? <laughs> not that. The later stuff, not that. You know, it sounds subject matter wise, too. It's like there's a place and there are these people. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and we're doing the E Street Shuffle. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not clear, you know, like. These days you would sample that and then pay royalties, but I think that Bruce was just like, I like that, so I did that too, but I don't, I don't <laughs> think he shared any songwriting credit. Um, but yeah, so he blew it out, made it really big, and and all, like you were saying, the weird bridge and stuff, all this music, it has like A sections and B sections and a big long coda, and it's just a lot. 
of, of shit going on. But now the scene is set. We've heard the E Street Shuffle. Everybody's out there in the streets. And this brings us to my favorite song on the album. Ooh. And this was the song. I'll, I'll point to the exact moment. But this is when I went, oh, oh no, I, I love Bruce. Um, this song is called Fourth of July, Asbury Park, a.k.a. Sandy. Sandy. <laughs> Sandy. <laughs> Slowing it down already on track oh, yeah. two. Already. Yeah. Quick. Listen to Bruce on all these guitars. Little overdubs here, little strums there. He's got a lot of hands over there. Sandy, the fireworks are hailing over little Eden. I gotta say, this this is a five minute song, five thirty song. It doesn't feel that long. Right. Yeah, no. Kind of a kind of a lot of Springsteen songs. You look at the times, it's like, whoa, this is uh, we're already done. This one isn't meant to be like a an epic, but he just takes his sweet ass time. So there's there's kind of a, I mean I think I was on board right away because it's like uh, again, <laughs> boardwalky Jersey Shore bullshit. But I do love that uh, that first line. Um, Sandy, the fireworks are hailing over Little Eden tonight, forcing a light onto all those stony faces left stranded on this warm July. Little Eden is a music venue, right? It's now the Stone Pony that he still mm. plays at. Mm. But that's like Little Eden being the name of the music venue. He's also saying that, um, you know, that's like their little paradise that they're outgrowing. So Little Eden is a double entendre. And mm. there's a clever thing going on where he says the fireworks are lighting people's faces. And then in this chorus, he says that the, the aurora is rising behind us. Aurora Borealis, the Northern Lights. So he's kind of doing this thing of like, we got to leave town with the light under the lights of the of the fireworks of the 4th of July. Mm. Ah. So again, it's kind of a funny chorus. I mean, it's kind of a schmaltzy. It's got like accordion and it's... Uh, Almost like an old timey chorus. I I really like the the whole vibe I get from this song is that like he had this girlfriend or somebody who like they maybe were romantic or maybe not, but like they got each other and they just weren't like uh, never got like romantic together or something. Yeah, he's got that thing too where it's his his love songs are never too perfect. It's like in Th in uh, Thunder Road. He says, you ain't a beauty, but hey, you're all right. Right, 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 right. <laughs> <And> it's like <laughs> such, so like honest and true, but such a cool thing to put on like a love song and put it on the radio. And it's like, yeah, you mean to tell me that Mary or Janie is not a beauty? Um, but yeah, on uh, on that topic. So the, the first verse is. Can I all guess what uh, we won't get to it yet, but can I guess what the part is that you liked? Yes. The the idea of being on the tilter world and getting your thing stuck, your shirt stuck. <laughs> no, but I love that. That, That's that like, to me, I love that part. Like this idea of a guy like by himself, like <laughs> getting stuck on the tilter and just being like, I'll wing around here for a while. This sucks. And then picturing the Bruce spending a whole, I like picturing current 70 year old Bruce on the tilter world. All night. <laughs> like, oh, they can't get me off. I like right before that when he talks about being tired of uh, hanging in them dusty arcades, banging them pleasure machines and chasing yeah. factory girls underneath the boardwalk where they promise to unsnap their jeans. This brings me to what I love is that it's a horny album too. Yeah. And and rock 
needs sometimes Bruce Springsteen people think of him as being like too like Disney or something but this this guy here I remember that with Dave Matthews I always thought Dave Matthews was uncool and then I heard him say hack up your skirt a little more and show your world to me and I said David you were you were a little <laughs> David stop you, what? you a little dog um there's a lot, there's a lot of like kind of uh, horny things going on. And also just the specifics, like you said, uh, the, the, the tilt a whirl. If you just said like, I had a bad night last night, you're like, okay, whatever. But if you say the tilt a whirl <laughs> kept me spinning, it just feel, I love, I love like proper nouns and I love uh, specific lyrics. Sometimes I go way too far with it with sloppy boy songs and I gotta be pulled back. No, 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 you do good. Well, that's the idea. Um, Okay, so here's here's the part where I cream my jeans listening to it for the first time, which is, um, and I'm digging in on this song because it's my my favorite. Um, verse one is set in the scene. It's all about the aurora and the lights and um, the New York virgins. Also, that's kind of interesting. Factory girls. I always took it as girls that work at a factory, but I think he means like factory girls, like an Andy Warhol. Like, a, yeah, yeah. Because oh, there was that movie Factory Girl about, uh, God, what's her name? Yeah, Edie, uh, Edie, not Edie, Edie Falco. Edie Sedgwick. Nah, Edie Sedgwick's an actress. Edie Falco's an actress. Isn't that Kira Sedgwick? (laughs) Oh shit, you're right. I think it's Edie Sedgwick. Oh, is it? Is is Kira Sedgwick Edie Sedgwick's daughter? Now wait, Factory Girl was starring Sienna Miller, who me and Mike saw when we tried to get into Bruce Springsteen's dressing room one time. That's right. Mm. We saw Tom Morello leaving and her going in and... Tim and I kind of strolled up and said, yeah, just we'll go in here too. And they said, you guys, who are you with? (laughs) You? (laughs) That was such classic Hanford of like, we went to a show and they were like, let's go to his dressing room. And I was like, just following you. Like, okay. (laughs) And we got pretty damn close. We saw all these celebs, but Bruce didn't wave us in. Edie Sedgwick is, yes, the factory girl, uh, Andy Warhol superstar. Kira Sedgwick is her first cousin once removed. Ah. Perfect. So the significance of Factory Girl is is that on this album and a lot of Bruce's work, and to the people of New Jersey, New York looms large, right? It's like this big city that oh, yeah. is so close to Asbury Park, you can you can even see the lights at night, and you either it's either calling to you and you're going to get out of this town and go there, or if you don't, you kind of have to justify to yourself that you're like, I'm not a New York person, but New York comes up always in Bruce's work as like this like Shangri-La that you're either going to go to or you're going to have your ch- a chip on your shoulder about not going to. Mm. Okay. So I'm working toward verse three. Verse one was set in the scene. Yeah. Uh, all very nice and very romantic. And then in the chorus, mm. he's saying, hey, Sandy, uh, uh, love me tonight. I may never see you again. Then verse two, he's it's getting a little uh, more direct. He's talking about he's done chasing those girls, trying to get them to snap their jeans, you know, I don't know if this town's so great for me anymore. And then the second chorus, he's like, uh, I remember Sandy girl. He, It's very romantic and it's a love song to Sandy. And he's getting toward a final chorus that's going to say like, you know, love me tonight and I'll promise I'll love you forever. Let's leave this carnival life forever. So it's it's he's making a promise to her. But then he hits this little verse three. Hit it. Sandy, that waitress I was seeing lost her desire for me. Love it. 
I spoke with her last night. She said like she won't set just herself on fire for me anymore. She dumped him. She worked that joint under the yeah. boardwalk. She was always a girl you saw bobbing down the beach with the ring. He likes her more. L listen how he's talking the about her. say last night she was just like a star in one of them cheap little seaside bars. And I saw a park with lover boy out on the coast. He was asking about her last night and she looked great. He, in a love song to one girl, he took a verse to talk about another girl <laughs> that he likes more. And like all the specifics are great and they get me, but just like that big idea of like a love song that sells itself out and you get that it's like, oh, he's just a, a, a desperate, yeah. he's, he's like a loser and he's desperate. And this isn't like a fantasy perfect love affair. This is just like a horny dude and he's kind of lying and he's like a salesman, you know? But, but he's, but he's convinced himself that yes. Miss, that Sandy is Mrs. Right when she's Mrs. Right now. That's funny too. I, I, I jotted that down. And when I was listening to this today, I wrote a note that I was like, he doesn't know he's selling himself out. Like I caught it. We got it. Yeah. But he's like, Oh, Sandy, that hot chick who I love the most. She doesn't like me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Sandy almost seems like a best friend type thing when it's like he, he and she know all along that's they're supposed to be together. But he's like, I think I like this other girl better. You know what that reminds me of? You know, I was like, I was like, there's a song that does this. It's help me Rhonda. Mm. Mm. help me like, get her out of my heart help me Rhonda get her out of my heart means like be my rebound please <laughs> Curious. I love it because it is like it doesn't mean that it's like a, a lie or that it's mean or that it's wrong or anything but it is just like very realistic of like picturing Sandy as this sort of like plain Jane friend of his and he's like I'll love you forever <laughs> 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 well if you're talking about the, like the New York thing like he's Maybe we'll get to New York, maybe not, but it probably seems like this guy won't because he's just the girl, the whatever, better girl that he wants won't have him. So he's settling for Sandy, which yeah. he's probably going to settle for the town too and then live a life that he doesn't enjoy. Exactly. And if he takes her with him, that's so weird too because he's like, you ought to quit the scene too. It's like, don't take this poor girl who you barely like and <laughs> make her leave town too just because you want to be a rock star. Anyway, that was like I, I, I that that's a song that's my favorite Springsteen song, and and that really gripped me. And then moving forward on this album, well, hold on. So as a kid, though, you had an ear for this stuff immediately, or did you have to listen to the song and have it rinse over your brain a couple times before you realized this stuff? Most of this stuff, I had to let it rinse over, but that moment. I think that at like 13 years old, I had only just heard schmaltzy love songs that were just like really straightforward. Mm -hmm. And and I did think on first listen, I was like, Bruce, what are you doing? Don't talk about this waitress. <laughs> She's She was dressed like a star. Sandy doesn't want to hear about this. Bruce, no. <laughs> so this is your favorite Springsteen song. So you probably know the earlier or have heard the earlier demo versions of this. <laughs> no, I, I know this. I only know this version. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's I, I came across this early version. I thought I assumed I almost didn't send it in because I thought maybe you probably had already heard. You probably covered it. You'd be so it. bored yeah. with I'm it. I'm curious, too. I'm curious. This is an old. Yeah, this is an old version that he was like where the song sort of started, you could say. Oh, I would love to hear this. Yeah. Oh, and Mike, you have it here? Of course I do. All right. Musically very similar to where mm -hmm. it ended up. Yeah. It had very little change, but it's a demo. <laughs> so it might not sound as great in certain spots. 
<laughs> the dentist that I go to says you're no good for me. Mm. I spoke with him last night. He said if I eat too much more, my teeth will fall out of my curly head. He said no more Mike and Ikes, no pixie sticks, no Rolos, no Reese's, no runs. That's those proper oh. nouns you're talking about. I asked him if I could put M&M's in my salad and he said, Bruce, don't you get smart with me? I even asked him if I could replace my teeth with dentures and eat candy till my dying day. He just stared at me and said, There's something wrong with your brain. <laughs> oh, Candy, wow. I'll miss you when I'm at the movies. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Halloween really seems pointless without the gobstoppers. Oh, yeah. Specific. You oh, love me tonight. And I promise I love you forever. I mean it, candy swirl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> na 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 nougat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, uh-huh. hold, hold on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Stop. Stop everything. Stop. What the hell am I singing? What am I singing here? I gotta think about this for a second. This is. <laughs> This is dumb. This song is dumb. Oh my God! They have I'm going through it here, and the words are coming to my mouth. All I can yeah. think about is this is dumb, right? <laughs> I gotta, I gotta rewrite these lyrics, maybe. And it's okay, you know. Let's take a break anyway. Stevie's got a Stevie's got that audition for that Lilyhammer show on Netflix. Which, <laughs> Steve, it sounds like a great idea. It does. I just don't understand why they're auditioning so early. That show doesn't go into production for another forty years. <laughs> oh boy! You guys, let's take a break. Crazy. Take five, and what? What was that record scratch sound? We're a live band. When we stop playing, it shouldn't oh, yeah. be a record scratch sound. It's so weird. All right, well, I'm, I'm going to look into that. Take five. Take five, everybody. Thank you. Can you believe that? Wow. wow. You got your hands on those tapes? Wow. It's a silly, it's silly. You were listening to it. It's it's I, kooky. I'll say this. I like where it ended up with Sandy and being a love story about a girl and stuff, mm-hmm. but it did, it did have that kind of tragic heartbreak to it, like candy that dentist i was seeing it's like it's another romeo and juliet situation it's people yeah. that just can't be together and, he, and he's in the song in this love song to candy he's basically just saying like yeah i'm gonna miss you and have the movies that's what's happening you're, you're done yeah <laughs> man it's uh yeah Brutal. i just need a little tweaky and he, and he got it and you tim you said that Steven Van Zant wasn't in the band then. They were friends, he with him. but they were friends. They were friends. He was Miami Steve or something. He must have played on this album though, because he he referenced Stevie. In yeah, that I mean song. that whatever he said in that recording is obviously going to be authentic. So yeah, that's um, what me, happened. I'll just change my notes here. <laughs> yeah, just do a quick change your notes real quick. It's weird, like. Any TV show doing pre-production for 30 years is weird, <laughs> but I, at, like for me, I didn't even know that like streaming services like Netflix had even really started up. Oh, Tim, set. this stuff has been in the works since uh, Eisenhower, my man. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, this tech stuff. I guess I just don't know. Ted Sarandos was definitely alive, right? Uh-huh. Sure. Yeah. He was alive. yeah. Yeah, he was. So that's probably what it was. He yeah. he started by casting Lilyhammer, and then he reverse engineered everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I said, "How am I going to get Lilyhammer on a, a TV screen?" <laughs> 
Well, that was fascinating. Yeah, thanks for bringing that in, Mike. Yeah, I, I, I'm surprised. A, a boss head like myself, I can't believe that I had never heard that. So that's really cool. Yeah, thanks. Okay, and then the next track on the album is Kitty's Back, which I didn't load up for us, but this was the jam band jazz freak out with all the solos and the crazy jamming and all the parts. What do you guys think of this one? This is a, I don't love this song. It's like, it's got good parts to it. It just kind of goes every which way in a way that's not really like honed, I don't think. It's, it's a kitchen sinky. A little bit. And, and sometimes with these Springsteen albums, like this, uh, that album, sorry, this album has a lot of long songs and I kind of like can't differentiate this between two other songs on this album. Yeah. You know what I mean? Agreed. When when I look up the uh, you know the genius of the lyrics and it's like verse one, verse two, verse three, chorus, verse four, outro. <laughs> one of my main sort of thoughts on listening to this entire album was like, Bruce, pick a tempo and give me a chorus. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was this is when I've listened to this album before. I usually like skip this and a couple other ones, but. This one, I knew we were talking about this album, so I would listen to it. And as I listened to it a few more times, I was liking it more. So I think just it's one of those things you sit with it for a while and, and you get the idea yeah. of it. Uh, I, I like, you know, I had to, to dig a little bit. And it says, Rob, Kirk, Rob Kirkpatrick summarizes Kitty's back. The singer, quote, ponders the fate of a friend whose girlfriend left to marry a New York City pretty boy from Bleecker Street. Ah. Yeah. If I can just get a headline like that going into a lot of these songs, I would feel <laughs> right, right. so much better than having to piece it together through like a weird uh, pointillism. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. That, it's that funny he, though like, because that's what he's good at. I do think that that then would be a fundamental thing where that maybe some early spacing doesn't work for you because I always feel with with story songs, like for example, a lot of country music. Yes, it's risky very, with me. Very country music, this whole thing. But like country music. It, it kind of keeps me at arm's distance sometimes because a great story song is a great story song. Uh, and, and that's that. But and that's that a bad story song. I don't care. I'm <laughs> like, why am I listening to a short story? But then also a lot of story songs, it's like, it's hard to listen to them. Cause you're like, Oh, I'm just getting in my car to go to Rite Aid. I don't need to hear about like this whole story. So, so I prefer when Bruce speaks in first person and makes himself part of the story. Mm, yeah. And I also prefer when it, when it's impressionistic, when it's images, like give me the story. But if I, if I don't want to follow it, I like the idea of just hearing a cool line and a cool line that just gives me the feeling of it. But I almost never really want, I mean, in this song, which I agree with you guys, this song is a bit of a mess, like Kitty and Cat Long and Jackknife and big pretty. I don't, I've heard this album 10,000 <laughs> times and I don't <laughs> track what's going on with all of them. But what is cool to me is again, it's about New York. And this is the, really the song where that's starting to come into focus. Like a, an Asbury park guy flat out losing his girlfriend to, to a New York. She says, I want a bleaker street guy tonight. And she goes to New York and she like hooks up with, uh, her new New York dude. But when she comes, like the song's called Kitty's Back. When she comes back, we finally mm. do get a huge chorus of Kid is back in town and it's happy. And fucking Jackknife takes her back. Yeah. Because it, it, it's so sad. It's like, kind of like in the last song, it's like, what's he going to do? And that like, Ooh, right, right, right. what can I do? Ooh, it's cool. He's like scat singing a cool jazz thing. But like, think of how heartbreaking that is of like a New, New, New Jersey guy being like, yeah, our girlfriends are going to go fuck guys on Bleecker Street. <laughs> that's, that's the best. Like, I mean, he is very good at that, like dissonance. 
where it's yes. like, I, I love uh, singing, a, singing a happy th- or more often it's singing a sad thing like it's happy. Or like, uh, yeah, yeah. Hey, in our very own birthday boy show, the uh, the paparazzi thing, yeah. Like the the angle yeah, on it was just like a sweet story. We're taking the side of a shitty guy and we're making it sound like a sweet thing. Yeah, but it's his job, and, that's and it's what like if you hate, if you think this world is gross and bad, you're right. But we're not. This story is from his point of view. <laughs> <laughs> in this song, is is Bruce singing as uh, Jackknife? Um, or the friend of Jackknife. He's Knife. he's quoting Jackknife. Um, or or sorry, Catlong is the boyfriend. And yes, Bruce is not a character in this story, but when he says, What can I do? He he's quoting the boyfriend. Man. Gotcha. A lot of characters floating around, and you know, a lot see, you know, there are some songs out there where there's a lot of stuff going on, but you still know that like Slam Dunk Dina broke the toilet bowl, <laughs> yes, for example. Yes, thank you. It's very clear on like who's doing what. You know, where you are, what's happening. I mean that 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 song sprang out of uh, Springsteen, like joking about Springsteen. Oh yeah, like naming funny characters and stuff. Hey, let's end this episode by playing that song because it is a perfect uh, homage. I think we have a better perfect homage, but go ahead. Oh, New York Night. Oh, oh, there you go. Oh, please come on. <laughs> but but full blown free for all did start as you just listing off. Like, because this album probably inspires Spanish Johnny and Crazy Davy and all these. I, mean, I guess mm-hmm. they're on the previous album, Spirit in the Night. Um, but this album is big on the names where you have your your name and then your adjective that describes you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, street name. So, yeah, uh, Kitty's Back is great live, but it's a little bit uh, uh, too many things going on. And then the next song, I didn't load it up, but it's another... Um, Wild Billy's Circus Story is another like role player. That last song was meant to be like the jazzy freak out. And then this is where we're taking it small and we're doing a little bit of a different flavor. Wild Billy's Circus Story is, is the it's it's acoustic. It's got a little honking tuba and a little bit of accordion, but it's a tale of circus life. What do you guys think of it? Yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I don't really listen to this one. Uh, <laughs> it, it doesn't uh, this doesn't uh, like grip me really well. What if I told you this? Much like uh, some what happened on some earlier songs, Bruce, we've talked about boardwalks. Now he's talking about carnival life. And mm-hmm. there was one specific carnival that used to come to Freehold and he saw and he he's writing about real things that he saw there. Uh-huh. But he's kind of listing off like the bearded ladies doing that and the trampeze ladies doing that. And it's a lot of funny specifics. It's kind of a it's kind of a little comedy moment. This is the end of side one. Uh, and I do think he was very aware of making his albums be like two act albums. Mm. Um, but what makes me like this song more and not just think of it as a full loose canon is this idea that I think that this is a song about showbiz, right? I think this is an allegory for being in a band and for rock and roll life that I think that young Bruce going to the circus, seeing these group of misfit weirdos putting on a show and their weird little relationship. Yeah. It's all weird, but they love each other and they have like a little mm. arrangement. I think he's saying like, that's the, that's showbiz and that's me on the road. And that's life when you're in a rock band. I I yeah. like it for, especially the last verse of which there are six and not a chorus <laughs> for miles. Oh yeah. There's no <laughs> chorus. Does he, he never says why wild Billy's circus. I don't think. But uh, the sixth verse is where they find like a new person to bring into the big top. And it's just sort of like, 
And the circus boss leans over, whispers into the little boy's ear, hey, son, you want to try the big top? All aboard. Nebraska's our next stop. Right before that, he said the the Ferris wheel turns and turns like it ain't ever going to stop. And it's like, there ain't no stopping this weird little (laughs) thing. Yes. And we're just going to keep doing it. Coming off of songs like Sandy, where it's about like leaving this town or whatever, you do sort of that feel the feeling of like the son, the kid who's being asked, hey, son, you want to join the big top? To, I think to Bruce, that's like exciting. It's not meant to be like, oh, no, that sucks. Bruce is like, yeah, hell yeah. I yeah, wanna yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't feel sinister or anything. It's funny hearing uh, anytime like I, I have a song that I don't necessarily like that's from a artist who knows what they're doing and it's explained to me what it all means. I'm like, oh, yeah, that is pretty good. But just on like first blush, this is not... Uh, didn't didn't have me. It's a little silly. It's got. I mean, he he's got tuba honks in it. It's right, like, right. I, I like the tuba honks and and like the the elephants are doing that funky dance. <laughs> There's some cool shit in there. I just uh, it it. I think it really speaks to the era that he as a young artist could have such confidence. Like he's so sold on himself and his just silver tongued yeah. verses. Like and I wish I had the engine of this guy to just like fucking talk and talk and talk and talk. It's crazy. Yeah. People uh, who knew him at this time in interviews say that it was like weird how driven he was. And there's not, I don't think that there was a, a man and then a rock star. I think there was like one personality trait and it was like, you know, for my new album, I'm going to do it like a Jersey Shore thing or like my next album, I'll be doing a Phil Spector thing because album one and album two came out both in 1973. Yeah. So he, he got that three album deal and the first one wasn't a hit. So he made this one in just a few months because he was like, I got to be a rock star real, real fast. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's not recording these songs and like going home to a wife and kids and stuff. He talks about he was on tour until he was 30 and then he came home and he didn't know where to go because he didn't have an apartment. And he was like, oh, shit, I don't have a life. Yeah. And that's that's what the river is about is like being 30 and being like from 15 to 30. I didn't really look around. Yeah, I mean, he would work in the studio all day and then come home to his Stratocaster and his razor blade <laughs> on the boardwalk uh, pleasure machines. <laughs> I heard that he would he would kiss each of his guitar picks and tuck them into bed. That's he had little beds man. for each of the picks, or was yeah, it's it all so in the wasteful. Same bed? Oh, I hate it is wasteful. Many- um, okay, so if it's back in the day and you have a vinyl record player, you're flipping the album. Yeah, and side two is. Three big fat tracks that bleed right into each other. Honkers. Starting with Incident on 57th Street. Hit it. This is the first time you're getting a little bit of an opera. Like, you know, what became like Meatloaf and Bad Out of Hell. But uh-huh. you know, Bruce was doing Thunder Road and Jungle Land. It's it's pretty piano. 744 is the length of this song. <laughs> it's a long easy. Now, Tim, can you speak to the piano production? Because it sounds bad. Um, <laughs> How? I went to... <laughs> like, doesn't it sound like it's not recorded correctly? Um, I, I think they have reverb on it because they wanted to make it sound a little bit like a music box or something. Okay. But um, it, it always just... it start, the, That song always starts and I was like, what? Oh, yeah, this is this song. But then... It sounds like the the piano right in that intro just sounds not right. But it ends with a a piano outro very similar as well. Do you also dislike that? Yeah, I probably didn't make it through this one. Now, (laughs) here's where we meet Spanish Johnny. And Puerto Rican Jane. And Puerto Rican Jane, don't forget. But I really like his sort of like 
failed macho stereotypes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I there's, know that there's full on like homophobia in here, uh, uh, not coming from Bruce, but coming from Spanish Johnny. Okay. But uh, I know that a lot of people have done this, and maybe Bruce isn't even the first. I know Alex Cameron is almost like a Bruce, like a, yeah. is like a comedy Bruce. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, but there are a lot of these sort of like 80s passion songs about just like doomed lovers that Bruce just does so well. Uh, I, I really like this one, especially after like following the lyrics while I was listening. It reminds me a lot of, uh, not musically, but the lyrics of um, Marlon Brando by Alex mm. Cameron, uh, um, where it's like the person talking here is more aggro uh, than the, the singer. But um, yeah, it, it's, it, you know, it's another one of these things where if you want to play, pay super close attention, yeah, it's about a love story between Spanish Johnny and Puerto Rican Jane. And yeah, it's like very specific about them falling in love and then him being him trying to reconcile his life he has with her with his this girl and then the life of like drugs and gangs outside that is calling to him yeah um, and i think it's that cool thing where it's like i don't do drugs i'm not in any gangs but i i, I think he, he makes it work on both well we're sort of a gang yeah i mean <laughs> i'm a, yeah. a pod gang. Yeah, we, we drink every week together <laughs> <laughs> Basically, we better not get busted by the. You're, you're pretty much Spanish Johnny and Greeky Tim. <laughs> but I think if, if you pay attention for like one line here and one line there, you get that it is like, yeah, the being torn between like your your macho masculinity of like being what's outside and then what you have waiting at home. And I do like his. He, like he's homophobic here where he ca- he calls these other gang members he, he's gonna like go out and swindle somebody or something and he said he calls them fairies and then he says he's gonna he's gonna pull a gun on them and they're gonna kiss each other good night <laughs> uh, so he's like he's like being a macho dick and it only really comes up in that song so I really think that he like I feel like Spanish Johnny was based on a guy who talked like this and said this type Ooh. of shit is there a line in here oh yeah here it is I don't think we've hit it yet, but she's like, those romantic young boys, all they ever want to do is fight. Those romantic young boys. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Such a funny thing to to liken violence and romance. It's like a John mm-hmm. Woo trope or something. I know. And he does it get when it gets quiet here, when he it's like Jane sleeping in a bed drenched with sweat, and then Johnny's out on the fire escape telling the kids things ain't good around here anymore. Right here. He's more allured by like possibly getting <laughs> killed and like having guns pulled on him. That's calling to him, even though he has this a better life right here. I guess it ain't very sweet around here anymore. But is it a better life, Tim? That's what the Thanks. song begs. Ask. You're like Spanish Johnny, Michael. Bruce, you've done it again. Rochester Michael didn't know. <laughs> it is so funny to think of like. He goes back to the well on this thing of like, the life I could have had, the life I have, what's out there, I gotta get out of here. Like, that he's done that for so many albums and songs. I know. It's a funny, it's just a very interesting and specific thing that a guy is all about. I know, and especially in like the next three albums, and then really whenever he needs a hit, he's like, oh, how about a song about getting out of town? That could be good. Like a vacation, Bruce? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> National Lampoon's Bruce album. Johnny whispered good 
So again, I love a chorus on this album. It's so orienting. <laughs> yes. It lets me enjoy everything around it. This song has a big fat chorus, but it, they're spaced out over a, a giant, giant song. But that's okay. As long as they're there. And again, hey, where's 57th Street? Where did this incident occur? Midtown Manhattan, baby. His, his, that's where his mind is. Uh, Bruce used to sneak off and go more like the village or like like uh, Washington Square Park. He'd like sneak off and go to the city and just sit around on the benches because he wanted to be like a folky beatnik guy. He wanted to go to there. All right. He was a big Liz Lemon quoter. <laughs> so we're reaching the end of the song here, I think. Oh, yeah. And it seems like things are unresolved. See, wait. Now, we've listened to this whole song. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. If we're listening to a whole seven minute and 44 minutes, seven minute and 44 second song, it's gone by yeah. quickly. Yeah, baby. I guess musically there might be more, but I'm looking at the lyrics and there's just basically two more runs of the chorus. And a guitar solo, baby. But, you know, there's this talk of like, I'll meet you tomorrow night. I'll meet you tomorrow night. Or we may have to walk until the morning light, maybe. So is this 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 unresolved sort of situation between the two of them? When in any Bruce song, when I hear like "Meet You Tomorrow Night," I always assume that the guy's gonna die before then. Yikes! Bruce on the guitar, you love hearing that Telecaster get cranked up. Um, okay, and this just plays out. Um, it really has the attack going on each of those notes. Do, 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 do. It's that he's got a big heavy pick and he's really plucking. It those sounds like things. a Queen song. You're, you're really hearing those junk, 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 junk. Yeah. Um, and then when this song ends, it goes directly with no pause or anything into the intro of the most famous song on the album, a live staple. There were no singles off this album, but this one pretty much, this if you're going to hear this a song on the radio. Rosalie, this is my favorite Springsteen song. Oh, hell yeah, because this is, Bruce this himself is it says it's the best love song he ever wrote. Wow. It's great. And also some uh, some obvious inspirations for some Sloppy Boys songs. Here oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Hit it! Just so fun. That's great. Wow! The most energy I feel like uh, captured, you know, like uh, just a band going nuts. Yeah. It feels like it could be on his third album, Born to Run. I know. I always thought it, it was later. Very much probably where the idea for that whole album came from. So something about that Van Morrison, like the syncopated, like, I don't know. Yes. Oh, I never put that together. There's other things about this album I think of Van, but you're so right that like that dot 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 that is like like caravan or something. Where I mean Van does Van doesn't even need lyrics because he's like stream of consciousness and he's just going dot 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 dot. Okay, so this song. It's not about leaving town. It's not about this town's bad. This is about he's got his girlfriend. He loves her. He's just trying to get her out of the house. The, the parents don't like him. He's listening yeah. off. Everybody in town is out. Listen to all this fun that's getting geared up, and I got to get you out of the house. 
Is he just trying to get her out of the house for the night to like party or to like go out and run somewhere? This is just out of the house. I think it's a uh, only the good die young sort of like, let's live, baby. Don't worry about yeah. your yeah. oppressive parents. <laughs> uh, th- this is a real girlfriend, too. This is a, like his girlfriend, like Diane Lovato or something like that. Like the parents didn't like him and they wouldn't let her go out at night. So uh, he <laughs> was like, I can't call the song Diane, but uh, uh, OK, if you stop this track, um, I wanted to set up. This was another place, and I were thinking back to my first listen to the album of a moment that just uh, hit me real hard. And this is like, you know, way more famous, but setting the scene of like, so much fun is happening. We're having a blast out here in the Jersey Shore, but this chick, she can't come out and her parents don't let her out. And then this is like my favorite bridge ever because I guess I would call it a bridge. There's so many parts of the song that who knows, but the, the bridge of this song is sort of like classic Springsteen. This little winky move here, uh, made me laugh so hard. The first time I heard it play the bridge. It's a long bridge. I like the like cut time here. Very Rapunzel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let down your hair. Okay, this part coming up later. God, that is so funny in a song. Like, it's just a, it, he knows like, that's such like a funny move to pull that it's like, I know your parents don't like me because I don't have money, but I just got a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, we're all going out because I'm buying drinks for everybody and you got to come too. And, it, and it's about to rock it into another verse where it's like, we're not even done yet. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> it just feels so like, holy shit. This has the, the feeling that I have with like, what I always kind of picture with the sloppy boys is like, we're running somewhere. We're like, come on, this is happening right now. <laughs> We're going now. this way. <laughs> the party's happening. You yeah, his next line him. is like, the car crashed in the swamps of Jersey. So it's just like batshit craziness at this point. <laughs> and then uh, I'm going to call out the no trains go to Staten Island. Mm. Similarities. Direct, direct one to one for us. Yes. I love it. Yeah, that was classic New York night. Pulled a lot from this song and uh, Jungle Land was. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Although it did have uh, Bill Joel in the mix, too, as well. Oh, why not? Sure. Hey, sure. Throw him in there. There's room for everybody. Yeah, the idea was just to make a long, many-part <laughs> song that was Bruce Springsteen. I remember I was so f- I was so mad when you brought that in, Mike. It was such a pain in the ass. <laughs> it was such a pain in the ass to record. Because you, you had all these things where you're just like, okay, these are the chords, but like, like, I want to spice it up. Like, what could a sax be doing? What could a piano be doing? And it was like, none of us play those things. Uh, we had to, like, <laughs> well, sit down and figure out weird shit to be doing just to vary it up. 
It's funny. If you're Bruce Springsteen, you come with that idea. You have ideas for musically what could happen when you're me. You've got some lyrics. Tim helps you with the chord structure. And then you go, and there should be something cool here and something cooler here. Yeah, the the classic Hanford line is, oh, everybody's going nuts here. Oh, yeah, that's the best. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know if I can go nuts on piano. (laughs) Well, you're going to have to figure it out. (laughs) Um, But I wanted to point out that um, record company just gave me a big advance, both because it's this point of view shift of like, oh, but I'm talking about Rosalita, but then the boy in this song who I'm singing first person, it's me, Bruce Springsteen, and I I have a record deal. I, we're not Spanish Johnny or Jackknife or, or yeah, ooh, Big yeah, Pussy. Yeah. We're me. I'm Bruce and I'm the hero of the song. <laughs> we're me. <laughs> <laughs> we're me. And, and Bruce has this thing, and this is like forever – Casting himself as a hero that reflect makes me feel good. Like he does that forever. Like you go see him when we saw him in Anaheim, he played for like four hours and like, he'll do that a lot where he keeps like, even to this day, like breaking his records of longest shows. And mm-hmm. every time he does that, or like he purposely on stage used to like dress like an audience member and be like, I'm just a working class guy that got on the street. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, and now he's like in his seventies, but still doing great. And I feel like there's this thing of like, he's an avatar for me when he gets a record deal. It's a victory for me. Cause he's my favorite rock star, you know? And, <laughs> and like anytime he's done it hundreds of times, but whenever it's like, hooray for me, uh, like everyone in, in an arena is like, that's us too. We're proud. Well, you so you talk about being an, uh, getting inspiration about being a hero when uh, we were at that Anaheim concert, I went out to get some refreshments and it, well, I was waiting in line and some guy started like choking this woman. I had to like oh break up God. a fight. For real? That's right. It was a fucking weird situation. What I gathered from it was it was like a wife and a husband and the husband got pissed off at the sister-in-law and like grabbed, like throttled her. And I was like, whoa. And like, Jesus. Like, had to pull, like, push him apart. And was Mitch was Mitch there too? Was it Jay Z and Solange? <laughs> Mitch was there too. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was. He was. He was there too. Um, Jeff, I've been in that elevator at the Standard in the Meatpacking District, uh, <laughs> where where that uh, Solange fight happened. Yeah, what was that? So Solange just like started slapping Jay Z. It wasn't Jay didn't like grab her. her or anything. No, but what? No, Jay didn't do anything. But what's so cool about it is you could see like show business that like. They're walking, they're leaving the bar at the standard and they're all really straight faced and because they're in public and then Beyonce, Jay-Z and Solange, as soon as the door closes in the elevator, she starts punching him because it's like, it it was about him cheating on Beyonce. That was like Ah. when they found out. And uh, I mean, I don't know if that's a moment they found out, but it was when they were in the middle of all that shit. Becky with the good hair. Um, Mm, Yes. But uh, it, it makes you feel like, it's like like Kardashians and like that whole world of like we have our public facing persona and then we're mm. different people. But then Beyonce made uh, Lemonade like a brilliant album about it. So maybe she just wanted to keep it under wraps until she could get some tunes written. Mm. Mm. She's good. Um, just to finish up uh, my story. So I, I, yes, I was the hero of the moment. Everyone knows it. Yeah. And then I got my drinks and I went back. Mitch and I got popcorn and drinks. 
and uh, went back to my seat, and um, we were passing the popcorn back and forth, and I accidentally spilled my drink on a uh, person in front of me. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Another, so like you, lot, you went from being the hero to the villain in somebody else's To story. the zero. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> to the zero. <laughs> it, was all, it was all balanced out. I was the jerk now who spilled his drink. Well, this album is about to close out with the, the big fat epic that has the most peaks and valleys of them all. And hey, I've been telling you about a certain city that's looming a little large on this album. Mm. The title of this song is New York City Serenade. Hit it. This is two seconds, coming in two seconds under 10 minutes. I cut off the piano intro because um, there's a long jazzy, there's a gothic Mm -hmm. piano intro that goes into a jazzy intro and then turns into a pretty intro. Mm. Um, And then we kind of land in this song. And again, if you're a story person and you want to pay attention to Billy and Diamond Jackie, a.k.a. Fish Lady, (laughs) who seem to be maybe a John and a sex worker in the back of a car. Um, You can you can follow that story. But I I think I also just like the idea of like it's more it's a song of like the kind of a meditation on some seemingly unsavory characters having these little flashes of nice moments and little images in their late, late, late night, early wee hours. Mm. Little moments of comfort within like what is otherwise a seedy lifestyle. And this is 70s New York, which is pretty, uh, yes. pretty gruesome. Very down and out. We were, we were talking about like Springsteen finding like his, uh, his sound on this album. This is definitely like hearing these bongos is something that was phased out for yes. future albums. Yeah. There's no tropical vibes on uh, Springsteen. Yeah. <laughs> you don't hear dancing in the dark with a little bongo. Yeah. They, I mean, he's kind of just knowing the rest of his like work. They sound kind of silly or just thinking of somebody being like. But I just I wonder when he was a huge A-list star, did he get bummed out about how much he had to edit? himself down he was you know his later albums are like marvel movies and he knew that the whole world was going to hear every single song so he couldn't yeah. take weird swings anymore he had to just kind of well he probably thought maybe i'll just do four verses instead of six <laughs> <laughs> jeff how dare you she won't take corner boys they got no money yeah where's the like beep boop 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 type stuff that actually would be really cool right here. Zoop, 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 zoop. Zoop, 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 zoop. So this song to me is the most Van Morrison one because he just told his story uh, uh, about what was going on. But now Fish Lady's just kind of like walking, walking down Broadway and she's taking things in and she's leaving and she's seeing things. And... This is like, have you guys heard Astral Weeks, my favorite album, Van Morrison? Uh-huh. Nah. Um, I pulled a song, Madam George, the kind of uh, centerpiece track of Astral Weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you play it right here. In the back street, in the back street. So Van just kind of told a story about maybe like a tragic kind of a drag queen who's on the outside of society and kind of shunned. And she's on the back streets and she's gotta go and he's just riffing improvising and stream of consciousness getting consciousness getting into like she's got to get on the train get on the train get on and then he's he's getting all repetitive and there's there's strings 
and he'll do a cool thing where like he he'll he'll improvise a vocal melody and then you hear the strings start to do the melody he was just doing. This is also a nine minute song that just goes and goes and goes and goes. He's really lyrically just like repetitive and grooved out. But then eventually the strings will kind of pick up and take it to new heights. So with this song in mind, if we switch back to New York Serenade and play the ending of that song, Jeff, um, you can feel him doing that same kind of thing where it's like, I told my little story, but now I'm just going to come. I'm just going to ride this fucker out and get a little it's weird. Vibe yeah, this is my time. So long. Mm. Oh, it also sounds like Touch, the, the end of Touch, that Daft Punk song with Paul Williams. There was all this talk about she's got to get on train, but she won't get it on train because the train will only slow her down. Um, but then now it's like late at night and it's just like images around her. Vibes Man is like a jazz musician in the street. She sees as she's walking by and she's like, hey, play me a serenade. And this is Clarence? Yep. And then she has this weird exchange with like a jazz guy in the street. It doesn't really have anything to do with anything, but it's kind of, it's a nice moment. And then she moves on to the uh, the junk man. I When I was a kid, I took junk man to be a garbage man. Now I'm thinking it might be a heroin dealer. Yeah. Junk man. Oh, interesting. But we meet him right here. Maybe another thing is the, the type of... Uh person who's like got a huge cart and just collecting a bunch of stuff and oh yes well he says to listen to the junk man right where a lot of wisdom will come from and here comes the wisdom he's He's singing So you got you got like a, a prostitute that turned a guy down and then a jazz musician who's playing to nobody and then you got a junk man and he's happy and he's singing to himself. Uh, it's just snapshots. You know, I don't I I don't know if this is improvised or I don't know if there is meaning to it, but it's just sort of like New York, man. This this ratty old town has some wonderful people in it after all. <laughs> That's what I keep saying when I'm on the subway. I'll be like, guy, hey, hey. Can everyone just focus on me for a second? This ratty old town's got something. <laughs> I think that that's what a lot of people are saying around you when they see you. This yeah. city has got a lot of shitty little shitheads in it. Well, when they see me, they're like, whoa, a talking rat. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's pizza rat. Yeah. Oh, no, it's garbage plate rat. <laughs> I like that uh, Bruce concerns himself with the pimps and the pushers, much like Jesus Christ himself. Ah. <laughs> Why is that, like, as we're listening to this and, you know, we've heard stories like this and there's movies and short stories and long stories about somebody who's down and out, but this is their job and their situation. What What is that that, like, to the listener or the reader is like, oh, I, I'm interested in that. Why is it so magnetic to have, like, a tragic, yeah, like a doomed character, like, giving it one last shot or whatever? Right. right. I mean, I would want to think... Like when they say like the, the archetype of like a hooker with a heart of gold or, or, or like a wise, uh, 
like the homeless person who with wisdom or whatever. I I always want to think that it's because the listener can relate to that. Then you're thinking like, oh, we're, I'm talking to those people and, and they would relate to it. But but I also think that a lot of the time it's it's more that it charms critics. And it's like, if you're sitting at mm. Rolling Stone, if you're an uppity Ivy League boy or or you're like a Rolling Stone writer or you're like a intellectual, when you hear about like life on the streets, oh my God. That's <laughs> true. I hope I don't ever have to be down there. But, but it's also like, I guess the opposite would be like happy people doing happy things and being happy forever. And it's like, that never is as interesting as a, like a little bit of contrast where you yeah. have somebody whose somebody whose fate is like hanging in the balance of the well, I just, two yeah, worlds, I guess that's, you know? It's more interesting. I'm just more thinking of like, why is a, a human being, is it like that more interesting than just like hearing that everything's going well? It feels timeless too. It's it can't like, be answered. It can't be answered. It can't be answered. just can't be answered. Not here on the pod. Not here on the blowout. Not here on the pod. Well, I, just, I think that like pure escapism of everything being good would just get boring and that you're like, you know, you need... Uh, Titanic needs Jack because he's the lower class guy. If it was just about the the Vanderbilt, oh, it needs Jack. <laughs> <laughs> he's here. We got Jack Nicholson for the last few minutes of the pod. Looks like I showed up right on time. <laughs> oh no, I can't believe that you're only in the last few minutes of our Patreon show. Oh, oh Jesus, we get one of the biggest movie stars ever. <laughs> this sucks. Oh, resident no. of New Jersey, by the way, born and raised. Oh, 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 I know all about that. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You know, I, I know I, all uh, about I actually that. spent a lot of time in New Jersey, too. Um, Tony Soprano. That's right. That's right. But that was just me, Mike, doing my impression. This is the this actual, is the actual Jack. Jack. <laughs> hey, what about me, Chris Christie? Ho, oh, whoa. <laughs> hey, another uh, New Jersey native. Hey, you shut down the beach, you fuck. <laughs> <laughs> shut it down. Open it back up. We saw you out there. We saw the fuck. We saw the drone camera. We saw it. <laughs> we oh, saw it, dude. But what about the prescriptions? <laughs> hey, no, you don't get any mileage out of that, Chris. <laughs> nice. Everyone in New Jersey has a prescription. <laughs> um, you guys know the, the Chris Christie Bruce thing that like, yeah, yeah. you know, Bruce is, is like a very vocal liberal and he hated Chris Christie and Chris Christie was always so sad because uh, Bruce hated him and he was a big Bruce fan. And then when they, they eventually, for some, they worked together on like Sandy Hook relief after the hurricane. Wait. They worked together on Hurricane Sandy Relief, uh-huh. and um, when they were at an event, and Bruce right. hugged them, and he cried. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, man! <laughs> who's who's the big Rage Against the Machine fan? There's some oh, GOP guy. Yeah, the guy who left. Um, the young, the young yes. dude, Trump. <laughs> Donald um, Trump. No, uh, the young fucking guy, Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan. Um, oh, <laughs> it's, it's so funny. Uh, yeah. That Paul Ryan, uh, loves, uh, Rage Against the Machine. And then you ever see multiple times over the years, Tom Morello has gotten like tweets and stuff. They're like, dude, I loved you before you got polit- political, yeah. uh, stick to the musics and leave the politics out of it. And Morello is always like, please point me to the song where I was not political. <laughs> I do not know that I was ever not political. Well, it just goes to show how people bring themselves to music. Oh. Like young Paul Ryan was listening to, to Rage Against the Machine and he was like, yes, the machine is the Democrats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
We need smaller government uh, instead of all these handouts. <laughs> well, that with the end of New York City Serenade that wrapped up the album and Bruce would go on to make Born to Run and be simultaneously on the cover of Time and Newsweek magazine. But this album wasn't, uh, it was received okay by critics, not, didn't sell too well. Eventually, of course, went triple platinum just when when people were buying his back catalog. That makes sense though. Like this, this album doesn't have it all like worked out perfectly. Yeah, other I can't really think of anything that would be on the radio other than Rosalita, and it's just too long to be on the radio. You know, yeah. it's uh, it's a tricky, sticky wicket. But that was a deep dive into why I love the album. But also, don't you think it's a summer album if you're a slophead? Yeah. And you, uh, let's sure. say you've it's it's this it's a sloppy slop boy summer, and you find you're vaxxed and you. You got a white claw and you finally got out to the beach house or oh, you, yeah. you, you yeah. go, you're, let's say you got out to six flags and you yeah. need something to listen to in the car. You, yeah. Yeah. You, you pull up in the car and you're strutting on the boardwalk and look up and see the fireworks. <laughs> let's say you get stuck <laughs> on a tilt a world the roller coaster and you see Sylvester the cat <laughs> and Tweety too. They, they should do a tie in. I yeah, it's a summer album in a in a way that's not like a party album. It's a wistful. It's a summer. It's a wistful. So put you to the 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 crickets are coming out. You turn it well, up. Well, I think it's a summer nighttime album. I think that that E Street Shuffle, Rosalita, Kitty's Back, those are party songs, but they're like nighttime and hot club type of party songs. Ooh, yeah, but then sweaty. AC oh, uh, broke down. E Street Shuffle, the first song. Uh, the outro on that fucking rips. The the really fast part oh, yeah. was like that's a hot tight. That's band. what I kept trying to get. That's what I mean when I say everyone goes nuts. <laughs> everyone goes, oh, we should have oh. done that. You just get like you a dozen nuts. super talented musicians to improvise. Yes. Great. Yes, yes, yes. One day I'm gonna get the right band around me, and oh boy, we're gonna really rip. <laughs> <laughs> I would love, to, like for real. How successful would Mike Hanford have been at a, as a musician if instead of surrounded by Dinky Tim and Dorky <laughs> Jeff, if it was the one and only E Street band and, <laughs> and they're rocking out and then Mike is the yeah. guy, the visionary at the front. And they're hanging on your every word. <laughs> yeah. They would need to be tricked somehow into that situation, but they would also need to understand what I mean when I'm like, and you're going like, you have to kind of get what I'm getting at. You know, it's speaking of like singing parts to people. That is how they do it. They do it a lot in the studio. Mm. And uh, um, I know that little Stevie Van Zant was was good at like relaying things from Bruce to the horn section because right. he would like That's sing funny. horn. He could do figure out the harmonies fast, and he would just like sing the horn players there parts when they had more horns but there's you know what he is credited with um born to run the main hook one of the most famous riffs of all time it used to have one it used to end on a little bendy note that was more reminiscent of this style music where it would go and it had like the final note was like a sour kind of bendy jazzy mm -hmm. thing and then little Stevie was in the studio and he said, Bruce, Bruce, Bruce. Burr, nur, nur, nur. And Bruce was like, I like that. That's the note. And <laughs> Don't bend it. Nobody bend it. Maybe your top five most famous riffs of all time. And Stevie sang it to Bruce. That's funny. Whew. 
and then went on to be in Lilyhammer. <laughs> right. He had that audition early, very early for that. So, Slopheads, listen to the album if you like it. If you don't like it, please do not listen. We can't <laughs> just stick to spend this summer listening to fucking Chet Hayes. Huh? Who's that? Who's Chet Hayes? He announced uh, the, what was it, the White Boy Summer? Chet Hanks. Isn't his, isn't he his. He goes by Chet Hayes, though, I think. What the fuck? Yeah. Okay. News to me. <laughs> Shows what I know. Did you guys listen to the actual song of it? It was. It's so uh, no. funny that it's like it's a song and it's a music video. And okay, he. I mean, he very quickly pivoted from white boy summer to being like, but he could also if you're a Latina girl, it's your summer too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh, okay. You didn't understand me in my little Instagram video. It's funny that Chet Hanks was an oddity for so long, and then he just like. You know, if you just keep staying on Instagram and TikTok and making stupid videos, you're going to hit on something because you're a weirdo. And he did. Like, he crashed and burned a long time ago. And then even uh, Larry David gave him a shot on Curb. Really? <laughs> yeah, he's on Curb yeah. like two seasons ago. Damn. He's uh, Jeff's daughter's uh, fiance, right? Yeah, I think so. Well, mm. yeah, that just goes to show you. Like, well, if your dad's Tom Hanks, you just kick around until you make something, you'll go viral, and we got room for you, dude. That would be nice to have your. If you had infinite money, you could just kind of dick around and say, hey, How about this? No? Okay, I'll try something else. <laughs> but instead, me, I have to be a hot shot comedian. <laughs> I have to pinch every penny. Well, this was fun, Tim. I This was a great. A great thing for, for a guy who knows Bruce Springsteen, you came through and taught us a little bit about it. Came through is in the sense of like, came through like Tim hung out? Yeah, Tim, come through. <laughs> yeah, hey, Tim, come through. Uh, we're doing the podcast again on Monday. <laughs> um, we, you are a guy who has said before that you don't care about lyrics, you don't like lyrics. And now, after listening to this whole thing... You were lying. You know, you I lying. think you were just trying to like a hot, to sound like a hot shot because you care about well, lyrics. Did I and, sound cool? When I said I didn't like lyrics, did I sound like yeah, tough? Yeah, he sounded really he was cool. like, whoa, this guy cares about the music. He's about the music. And now what? I'm just a word boy. Yeah. You're a word boy, but but uh, you've, got a, you've got a little, you've got a soft spot for the word in there. I agree, but I do think I, I got to... I don't really pay attention to lyrics until the the music hooks me. Uh, this is maybe the one album where the lyrics rise above the music. But for the most part, if it doesn't have the dope beat, then the words shall not be heard. heard yeah. by Did you see that, Jeff? You see the backpedaling? Did yeah, you see? We all saw right next. These lyrics. No, it was, it was a it was a a plus acting. I love it. <laughs> Well, thanks for indulging me, everybody. And I think we should do more. Well, I think we should do more summer music type of stuff, you know? Yeah. Also, yeah. a yeah. deep dive presented by a Sloppy Boy so the Patrons get to know each of us better. Oh, Ooh. yes. Because we're always so guarded. Yes. Usually I'm like, I don't know if I could hey. do a deep dive on anything because I'm so shallow. Oh, my. <laughs> well, that's... In the shallow, shallow. Oh, that's it? Perfect. Maybe I'll do that album. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Perfect. You're like listening to the first time, like, okay, um, this is a, a Star is Born soundtrack. <laughs> pretty shallow, I guess. This is uh, the guy, the people in, this, in the movie. This one's uh, Jackson Maine. <laughs> Jackson Maine. He's got a good voice. <laughs> Folks, thanks for listening. Patrons, we love ya. 
Thanks for uh, joining the Patreon and uh, hanging out with us. Tell your friends. And uh, hmm, how should I say this? We'll see you next time. And I'll see you out there on the Ferris wheel. I'll take off my jeans under the boardwalk. (laughs) Bruce and his twin showed up. (laughs) And I would like to close out this episode with our very own Springsteen-esque song from our second album, Dancing on the Wind, Classic New York Night. Goodbye, everyone. Crazy world, been to London, I've been to France. Went to Waikiki with my best buddy, and we did the hula dance. Spent a whole paycheck one night in Rome, it was well worth the dinero. I like to have some fun and shake my buns when I'm in Rio. Stay out all damn night When I'm in Mexico City Then I oversleep and miss my flight Mmm, what a pity Went to Tokyo and don't you know I almost lost my life Made it out of there by the skin of my teeth After I kissed Godzilla's wife On a Swedish dance floor They yelled for more And they almost crowned me king I like to ski half drunk In the old Swiss Alps Yo, lehi, who kind of thing? Yeah, I love all these places They're a traveler's delight For New York City Just to have a classic New York night Walking down the New York City street Can make anyone feel alive There's a tap in your toe And everybody a pass will raise their hands To give a high five There's a soundtrack to the city Jazz in every piece of shop Washington Square where they play buckets just like bongos. <laughs>
went to the Sears Tower, which is in New York, I think. To be honest, I really don't know. Saw the gold trying to play the Yankees on the ice and MSG. Bought 20 little statues that looked exactly like the Statue of Liberty.
Class.